0: Welcome to Unveiled, a podcast about faith. Specifically, it's really about the journey of faith. From the moment that you become a Christian and become born again, until the moment that you die and go to heaven, you are on a journey. And I think that it's a really exciting and just a really cool journey. It definitely has challenges and trials, but that's actually the reason why I'm creating this podcast, is to give you encouragement And wisdom and inspiration and fill you up so that you can be grounded in the truth, so that you can know who you are in God, and so that you can be equipped to experience God's peace and His joy and His love as you go throughout this journey. So I'm really excited about this. So this is episode one, and the first topic that we're going to be covering for several weeks is faith. I want to start with the basics and help you to have a definition of what is faith. Today, I have my friend Paul Foster here. We have known each other for many years. We used to go to church together. And he has his own church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's called Source Connection. And he is married and has four kids. And so Paul is somebody that I know who loves God and who's passionate about getting to know God and helping other people connect to the source, which is God the Father. So without further ado, let's get started. My first question for Paul is, if you had to explain to someone who had never stepped foot inside of a church what the Christian faith is all about, what would you say?
1: Well, I would say this. You have... You have two major worldview categories. The first category would be a materialistic worldview. And that is what is being disseminated through this current scientific intelligentsia community. And they are positing to us that our world, the universe, our relationships, and the full spectrum of what we know as life, what we can detect or not detect is quote materialistic everything came from um a materiality you know aka the big bang theory you know in the beginning there was a singularity where did that come from how did it get there give an account for it no answers but this singularity um exploded into our present-day universe and you know if you take that literally this conversation that you and I are presently having via the Zoom, this is merely echoes of an explosion that really is yet happening. So I would say that first category, it's garbage. (laughs) For lack of a better adjective, it's garbage. That is totally unreasonable uh, for any intelligent thinking adult. So the second category is that God, uncaused creator, God the architect of everything. He is directly responsible uh, for our lives. So from a Christian worldview, we acknowledge that, of course, God exists. Now, intuitively, if you look around at our world, you can readily observe and um, readily conclude that something is wrong with our world. We don't work as people. Society doesn't work. Nothing seems to work. And if you conduct a route calls analysis as to why our world doesn't work all roads are going to lead to our heart um, is what Plato concluded was the nature of mankind we're fundamentally flawed in our nature olivia and from a christian worldview, the one who is responsible for our world and responsible for innovating us designing us ideating us and bringing us into existence he has said i'm going to fix your world that's what righteousness is i'm going to make things right i'm going to make things as they should be or as they were originally intended to be so how do you go about doing that um as you and i know there's a right way of doing things some would imagine that if god is god then he should snap his finger and instantaneously fix everything and bring it Uh, back into any kind of way he wants it to be and from a Christian worldview um, I would say that's not true at all there is a right way to go about repairing something if you and I had a fallout in our relationship and I said some very condescending and some hateful things towards you I can't snap my finger and fix that and say hey get over it okay is everything cool no that's gonna that's gonna be a process of time (laughs) so Mm -hmm. the father has initiated a process by which he's going to restore us he's going to restore our world he's going to restore the entire creation from its fallen condition back to the way it should be the way that happens in god's unending wisdom his brilliance his genius his creativity is he had to do it in such a way where justice would be preserved He could also express the full range of his love, his mercy, his compassion, but without being someone who's violating justice and equity and truth. So in the cross, the Christian faith, we see justice being played out. We see the full measure of justice because we see an innocent man that the Bible describes as the righteous one. He's hanging on a cross, experiencing an ultimate injustice. And from a Christian worldview, the just experiencing the consequences of of our sins or the sins of the unjust, um, that balances, that satisfies the demands of justice. Justice says the consequences or the wages of sin It's death. It's eternal separation from God. It's a condition where you will never be made right again or righteous. Uh, But the gift of God is eternal life. So in the cross, we see justice, but also we see mercy. We see God saying, here is my mercy. Here is the innocent shedding all his blood to satisfy the demands of justice. All those who believe on him, they will be Made right, they will they will be enjoined into my initiative to make all things new. Now, how does that work? This is what I saw, Olivia, in a nutshell. It's not hocus pocus. It's not saying, "Hey, if you can subscribe to the idea that seven times seven is forty nine, or subscribe to the idea that Jesus died for your sins, and uh, if you believe on that, then you get to go to heaven." No, no, no. There's a science there's a technology behind it is what I saw. And the illustration I would use Olivia is like chemistry. When you have two separate atoms, if these atoms come into a relationship uh, via a covalent bond or an ionic bond or a metallic bond, the scientific community will tell you that you will have a new compound or a new molecule that exists. You have two hydrogens and an oxygen uh, atom and they come together you will now have H2O or water. That water is a whole new being. It's a whole new um, compound or molecule. So here's the science behind us being redeemed. When we put trust in God, it's not just an abstract idea that we call trust. It's real. It's just as real as a covalent bond or an ionic bond. And when we give God that trust, just like the atoms come into a real union that creates a new molecule, we come into a real union with our creator that, that spawns a new creation. We literally become a new creation when we put our faith in the Christ who died for our sins. So it's a reality. And God raised Jesus from the dead as proof to all that this is God's designated way whereby man would be restored to him. is through, through the Christ. So our Christian faith, our, our faith is saying that we acknowledge that God is real. Of course, he is responsible for our existence. We have fallen. Um, when things are not as they should be, that's the definition of sin. It falls short of what God wants. This is how God is redeeming it. You put your faith a new creation, uh, happens. It's real. It's not abstract. It's not real religiosity. It's real. And in that new creation, it's a new heart. It's a change to our fundamental nature, which is the reason our world doesn't work. So our bad nature transitions to a good nature. and That's the building block of an eternally sustainable, endless society. That's the Christian that's, faith.
0: That's really amazing. It's like you described it in a very majestic way. Like I, I'm, I was surprised by how you, you zoomed out. I like that. And, and to see the the really big picture, not just the individuals. Um, but I also, I, I, I totally agree with the new creation because I never thought about the science behind it, but God's been teaching me even to start believing and declaring things like I'm, I'm clean by the blood of Jesus. I'm forgiven, and I am a new creation, mm-hmm. and um, and and I even have a new nature, like you said. And so my life, the the whole reason that, um, I mean, I I feel like something happened to me a couple months ago, where I was in a personal crisis, and I was basically searching for an out or an answer or help, and mm-hmm. I wasn't really getting anywhere, and I was kind of angry and frustrated. And then I started to take walks and I didn't even necessarily pray, but I just got my mind off of what it was on. And then I started to read the word. And the more that I started to do those things, the more that I started to my mind, the Bible talks about your mind being renewed. Yes. And it was like my perspective changed. And I never, no one ever really taught me about a new creation. And I've been in church since I was born but I really feel like I never learned that we have a new nature because if you know that you have a new nature, then you're no longer a slave. And Romans talks about not being slave, we're not slaves to sin anymore. But like, if you know that you're a brand new creation and you're really born again, then it does introduce you to a life that's a different life. Mm -hmm. So you're not living the same old broken bondage kind of life that Come we on. all live, you know? And so I totally, that is I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs>
1: yes, that's powerful. That is awesome. I love it, Olivia. It's easy, Is liberating, it's exhilarating. It's not religious. It is a new life. Um, in Eden, in the beginning, you know, what did, what is your mom and dad, Adam and Eve? What did they do to earn be, being given the keys to the whole world, to have dominion over the earth, the land and the sea. What did they do? What good works did they do to earn that position? Right?
0: right. They were just <laughs> created. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they were born into it and that that has yeah. never changed. So as our master tells us, uh, you have to be birthed into the kingdom. Mm. You know, no one earns it. I, I haven't earned my status. Uh, you haven't earned your status. You were birthed into it and therefore all, all the glory goes to our father. So it's, wow. I love it.
0: Yeah. So then um, my next question for you is how did you come to the faith?
1: Well, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I'm the youngest of 15 kids, um, 12 boys and three girls, believe it or not. Uh, My parents have both uh, gone home to be with the Lord, and one of my brothers has gone home to be with the Lord, Um, but I grew up in uh, the south side of a town called Ypsilanti, uh, somewhat the bad side of town, some called the Hood, (laughs) Um, but there was a light at uh, 515 Jefferson, and uh, my mom and my dad passed away, by the way, when I was two months old. My mom was an incredible woman. She raised um, most of us uh, by herself. Uh, she had a work ethic um, that uh, it came from picking cotton in the South in a sharecropping system. She had an incredible work ethic. I mean, sun up to sundown, my mom knew how to work. That's where I get it from. And I can't work a third of the way she could work. Uh, wow. So it was a great light, Olivia. She. And she loved God and demonstrated a great work ethic and that love for God. It was the key catalyst that uh, brought conviction of the Holy Spirit upon me and ultimately led me to surrender uh, my callous heart, uh, my stubborn heart. I came to the faith when I was 13, but I was one of those 13-year-old kids who had a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, a lot of miles in life. Uh, just being exposed to a lot of things. And I would hear clear presentations of the gospel um, at church, which I was brought to all the time, Sunday day, Sunday night, Tuesday uh, night, Friday nights, uh, (laughs) and even Saturday mornings, a whole lot of church. But I would harden my heart and I would just, you know, I understood it very clearly, but there was a certain uh, texture of pride and arrogance and Uh, just wickedness is the best way to describe it, that would not surrender. Um, So we had one of those services called a revival meeting, and this missionary, her name was Drusilla Carter. She's no longer living, and she would have these old-fashioned revivals where she would call everyone to the front of the church that she would call the altar, and we would just clap our hands and just, quote, call on Jesus. <laughs> and she'd grab the microphone and say, call on Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And in that, she would just sort of exhort the people, open up your heart. You got to surrender. You got to give them all. As, as everyone is calling on Jesus, and the organ is playing, and people are clapping, and, pe- and some people are raising their hands, and some are speaking in tongues, uh, and things like that. And I'm kind of just like this, Jesus. Jesus. I'm like when is this going to get over so I can get out of here. I'm so embarrassed and this is so awkward. Jesus. She's like <laughs> call Jesus. Call Jesus. Call Jesus. Jesus and there's like a tone, there's a rhythm, there's a there's a harmony uh, to this whole thing. Jesus. Jesus. I'm, I'm I'm doing a poor job at illustrating it, but it's Jesus. <laughs> and all of a sudden In that space where this hard-hearted 13-year-old is calling on Jesus, the presence of Jehovah God came over me, infiltrated all my walls, all that wickedness and pride and arrogance that would resist his gentle knock, infiltrated all that and confronted me at the core of my being, and I instantly broke down. I was very stoic. I was very, um, I had this tough veneer that no one could infiltrate, probably stemming from hurts and things, and that I still may not even understand to this day, but he went through all that, and I found myself um, in tears, draining. That was totally antithetical to my character and my personality, but I was just crying and crying, and in that crying, in my heart, I was totally surrendering to God. It was liberating, it was exhilarating. I felt so relieved. His presence was strong. And after that revival service ended, what she would do is say, say, um, everyone who the Lord has done something for, um, raise your hand, or she would just call on you. You, what did the Lord do for you? (laughs) And in that space, I said, he saved me, he saved me. And when I said he saved me, his presence came on me again. And I'm feeling his presence now. and came on me again, and I was crying, and that was it. So 1989, 13 years old, in April, um, Paul Foster was birthed into the kingdom of God.
0: Wow, that's really amazing. And that's such a deep experience, you know, like that you said that God got, like, through your walls and barriers, you know, like, and he got through to you. That's really cool. Absolutely. So what do you think, like now, about in our Christian journey, like how important do you think that faith is?
1: Faith is everything. Everything. And I love to, I I feel a certain sense of assignment to de religiousize our faith. It's the word faith has so many religious connotations to it. We miss the beauty of it. Uh, So I look at it practically to help others understand this sacred currency called faith. Um, Without trust, which is synonymous with faith, nothing works. No relationship works, saved or, you know, Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't work. Um, Companies don't work. Groups don't work. School doesn't work. Driving can't work. (laughs) You can't (laughs) even go outside. (laughs) Nothing is going to get moved forward one inch if you don't have trust. So trust is very natural. It's needed. It's the currency of our lives. It it allows you to meet a person. Hey, what's your name? And I tell you, Hey, my name is Paul. Uh, Can you show me your driver's license, your social security number and three independent references to confirm that your name is actually Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Forget it. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I just don't have the time to do all that. Take my word for it. So I look at it as, um, you have to have trust so because of that way of looking at it um i see god as practical it makes perfect sense and the reason we have locks on our doors and the reason we have policemen outside and we have a military and we ask questions and we interview people we confirm we inter- we do interviews because we need to confirm what a person has put on their resume uh confirm that is actually true so okay i see your your resume is impressive you're al- already qualified this is true I don't trust you. Let me bring you in and see if this is actually true. Okay, tell me more about your experience. And you know, we do all that stuff because we don't have 100% trust. And that's the way we mitigate our fallen condition where there's a lack of trust, there's a trust deficit. Imagine a world where we all have 100% trust. We all trust God, and we all have trust for one another, and we have the character and the follow through to back it up. That would be a perfect society. (laughs) That would be brilliant. Uh, You wouldn't need locks on your doors. You would feel safe. Um, It would be a utopia, as some of the ancient philosophers wrote. It would be a utopian society. That's what God is building. That's why faith is so important. Mm -hmm. This is what I saw, Olivia, if we in America turn off the laws, no laws, no consequences for anything, everyone can do whatever they want to do. The American project, if that were to happen, would effectively be over. (laughs) Wow. We would disintegrate into anarchy instantly. Hmm. So why is that? Because we're most people are wearing a mask, we're pretending we're going along to get along. We comply, uh, you know, because if I don't comply, I can get put in jail. So we got all these measures in place, and we go along. We have society, but the real condition of society is: what would we do if there were no laws? That is an indicator of our true condition, and that's mm-hmm. why we don't really trust each other, and we got to put barriers and checks and balances in place faith says our father is building a world where everyone is going to be pure in heart everyone will see god and everyone will be like the christ and that is so brilliant that is so genius Mm -hmm. i will give every ounce every drop of my being to be a part of that society that's our faith and that's why faith is so important
0: yeah 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 so then, um, what what do you think about, like, in your daily life, um, like, what does it look like to maintain faith in your life?
1: Brilliant question. Critical, critically important question. Um, because... Like we just talked about, if, if you're birthed into the family of God, you know, I believe that, you know, God, I won't say even add the addendum, I believe, I'm saying God is our father, according to scripture. Uh, he that believes on the Christ is born of God, is what the apostle John said. Um, but with that, it's very important that you grow in that process of growth. Um, it's facilitated by what we call discipleship. Discipleship is taking on the disciplines of our master, the disciplines Mm. of the Christ, the Messiah, following him, patterning our lives after him, following his footsteps. And um, that's our quest. That's our um, objective. Emulate Christ because he's the ultimate um, person. He's, He's the ultimate man. He is the template in terms of this is how you live your lives. Mm. This is how you relate to God. This is what 100% spirituality looks like. Look at Christ, if you want to understand. Mm. If, I, if everyone was 100% mature in their faith, look at Christ. You can see what mm. it looks like through the pages of scripture. Um, wow. So uh, the late Derek Prince, he said something that I never forgot. He went through the teachings of Jesus, and he found three wins. Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. So those are three fundamental pillars, I believe, are very important in the Christian faith is praying, fasting, and giving. Prayer really needs to be de uh, because the beauty of prayer is just conversation with God. Um, sometimes we have created something something that I call churchianity, where prayer is like, you know, it's a religious type of experience. Um, and there are aspects of prayer where you feel His presence, you know, as in my salvation experience and God does wonders and things like that. And those things are very powerful. But the heart of it is um, it's a father and his son, it's a father and his daughter, and they're communicating. And our father is, you know, verbal communication, social scientists will tell you is, is probably about 7% of the spectrum, 7% of the spectrum. Um, so communication is broad. So in that space of co- um, conversation with God. Sometimes the father shows you pictures. Sometimes he gives you thoughts. Sometimes he gives you impressions. Sometimes he gives you dreams and visions. Sometimes you sense his presence. Sometimes you have an intuition. These are all facets of the way that he's communicating to his children. So it becomes exhilarating and enjoyable and fun. It shouldn't be a chore. Um, When our master got up very early in the morning to pray, it wasn't because it was a religious duty and it was his quest to get more spiritual. He was already spiritual. He loved spending time with the father, hanging out with the father in that space of exclusive prayer. Uh, so that's a, it's a, you can look at it as a discipline. I look at it now as a privilege. It's a privilege. And there's exclusive prayer. Like sometimes you're with the person exclusively, but then sometimes you're just carrying out uh, your day-to-day life and you're yet conversating with that person you're with your friends Olivia and but you're at you're at South Park Mall you're hanging out with your dad but you're driving down the road headed to Virginia so you're doing something else but you're together and I believe right. that's how we should also yeah. relate to our father yeah you know when I'm taking showers I love to be with the father
0: <laughs> uh,
1: when I'm doing everything now when I'm at work when I'm I just include God when I'm watching basketball games everything he wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives, because he's the genius behind everything. He's the architect. Prayer, giving is important. And let me just say with giving, it's not just giving in a church offering. Uh, But when you give your time or you see that person who was met by robbers, beaten up and left half dead, that Jesus described in uh, Luke, uh, responding to that person, that's, that's very important in terms of giving. And giving ultimately is a way that we express love to each other, and how we love one another is a direct indicator of of our level of love for God. That's how we dis- display it. Then number three, I talked about fasting. Fasting is touches what you talked about earlier, where you talked about the spirit world and the material world. Um, at our core, uh, we are we are spiritual beings. Uh, but we, in our natural state, we have bodily expression. And our ultimate redemption is going to be a new body that gives us a broader range of expression. That's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, but there is a dichotomy. There's a spiritual aspect of us, and then there's a material aspect of us. And fasting, it, um, it's a way of becoming more keen, more sharp, in a more intense awareness of our spiritual um, aspect. And Jesus, as Jesus told us, uh, God is spirit. And they that will commune with God and relate to God, it's done in the spirit dimension. Fasting is a good tool, it's a spiritual tool to help in that. It's mm-hmm. the willful abstinence of food uh, for spiritual pursuits of getting closer to God. So, those are three. Very practical things you can do to um, maintain the faith and continue to grow. um, Other than mentioning a billion other things, but those are three foundationals.
0: Okay. So um, I appreciate you taking the time to answer my questions. Um,
1: Yeah, well, thank you for interviewing me, Olivia. I'm very excited about your podcast. So I'm excited about this. I'm deeply honored and privileged uh, to be your first uh, person that you wanted to interview and get me on here. I'm ex- very excited about that. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed those questions. Uh, those were great questions that need uh, good answer, uh, good answers from a variety of people. And um, I'm just excited about this whole thing. I'm excited about God and um, thanks again, Olivia, okay. privilege and honor to be on your podcast.
0: So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Unveiled. I'm glad you could make it, and I hope that you got something out of it. So briefly to summarize, Paul and I talked about faith. What is faith? And Paul said that faith is basically trust. So when you put your faith in Jesus and you believe that he forgives you of your sins, you are putting your trust in God, who is a person and he's our father. So we also talked about how Paul says you're born into the kingdom, you don't earn your way in, you're just born into the kingdom. He talked about how prayer is just talking to God and how you can just be with God even as you're doing everyday activities, just like you could be in the car with a friend or in the kitchen cooking with someone. You can actually do activities, you can even be working during your day and be communing with God at the same time. So overall, we just talked about how faith is relationship, and basically faith is a journey that God takes you on. So wherever you are at right now, I hope that you can find a way to connect with God, whether it's through the Bible or through prayer, or like I said, through just hanging out with God, doing whatever it is you're doing, whatever that looks like for you, Um, I hope that you can find some time to spend with God and start to experience some of his joy and his peace and his hope. So I will see you at the next episode of Unveiled.